everyone. I'm delighted to be joined today by the legendary award-winning political commentator Justice Malala. Justice is a renowned political commentator and newspaper columnist. He writes weekly columns for the Financial Mail and Times Live SA and contributes regular articles to international publications such as the Washington Post in the USA, the Financial Times in the UK and The Guardian. He's the author of the number one African, South African bestseller, We Have Now Begun Our Descent. His new book about the SA transition to democracy will be published in 2023 in the USA, Canada, the UK and South Africa by Simon & Schuster. Since 2018, Justice has split his time between Los Angeles, California, and Cape Town, giving him a unique global perspective on local issues. Until that point, he was the resident political analyst for E! News Channel Africa, ENCA, and also presented a weekly political talk show, The Justice Factor, on ENCA. He's a political analyst at Lefika Securities in Johannesburg and was rated among the top five political analysts in South Africa between 2016 and 2019. Justice has given talks and rendered political advisory to JP Morgan, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, Liberty, Old Mutual, Investec, Nedbank, and many others. He was awarded the Foreign Correspondents Association Award for Courageous Journalism in 1997 and was named by the New Yorker magazine as one of the eight most fascinating Africans of 2012 along with Rwandan President Paul Kagame and Malawian President Joyce Banda. Today, he's showcasing his new talk for us entitled Breaking Point. Justice, thank you so much for joining us and over to you. It's, uh, it's lovely to be with you again, uh, uh, introducing this talk. I don't think South Africans and, and business leaders uh, would be in any doubt about the kind of winter we've just had in South Africa. Um, if you think about it, there we were talking about stage eight load shedding, about the idea that the entire grid could, uh, could come down and all of South Africa would be in darkness. That, that is the worst performance ESCOM has ever had. On top of all that and all the other problems that we have in South Africa, you had the bizarre, extraordinary story of how the president of the country may have been, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is mad, you know, shoving foreign currency under the mattresses in the sofa, in cabinets, wherever it may be. It's an ongoing story. We don't know where it will end up. But you can see just the, the volume of talk, the volume of news uh, that is of concern to ordinary South Africans and particularly to people in business, people who sit on boards, executives, all of them wondering where South Africa going, what does this mean, how will this end up, and crucially, what impact will it have? On me, so that's the bizarreness of this of this year and and the past few years as things got more and more heated. Why are we going through this? Why do we have to sit down and talk about these things? And I think it's part of it is that the 1994 compact, the agreement that we had after Cordessa with the April 1994 elections, is essentially dying. And we don't know what comes up after that. We are in the middle of this thing. We are in the interregnum. And, and what comes out is the mobility that we're seeing in our politics right now. And that is made even worse by the fact that the ANC is going to its elective conference in December 2022. 
If the ANC is going to conference in December, it means it has to choose a new leader or stay with Cyril Ramaphosa. It has to choose a, another number two, another number three, the top six, and the National Executive Committee of the party. And so the fighting within the ANC is intense. And the result of that is that, oh, if you thought, oh, the new dawn, it's a new renewal, things are going to happen, and so forth, it's, it's, it's packed. It's uh, by the wayside while all this internal infighting goes on and on and on. And so this is what we're going through now. But it's not just the inter-party fighting, I think. And the key thing about the talk that I am presenting to you now is that that interregnum, that change from the compact of 1994 to what happens in 2022 and beyond, it's a real battle between those who believe in the constitution we have, the liberal constitution, the free constitution that we drafted in 1994, and those who want to dominate the political space and use their power to loot, um, to continue with some of the state capture activities that we've seen through the Zondo Commission. So this is a big fight and it's enjoined inside the ANC, in society, in social media, all over the country, and that is part of the reason why we see so much that is happening right now that leads to concern among some of your employees, some of your executives, some of your boards, and some entrepreneurs who say, is this worth an investment or should I be thinking of Kenya, Malawi, some other jurisdiction that may, um, that may be better for me. And so, and so I think the key question for all of us, uh, those of us in the room now, those of us listening in, those of us uh, where we will meet and talk uh, about these issues is um, what do we do in this time now? Um, how do we respond to some of these issues uh, that, um, that have come up? The key thing is to remember that this crisis of, con of confidence that South Africa is going through is not about to end because you and I are sitting there in our businesses continue. It's going to continue. It may get worse and it may get better, but the key thing is to be prepared for it. Will ESCOM be fixed by the new energy uh, uh, measures that President Ramaphosa and his cabinet and the private sector are, are trying to implement? That is something that we can interrogate. The unemployment figure, out of more than 150 countries that are tracked by Bloomberg, South Africa is the worst performing in terms of unemployment. At 35.3%, we are the worst. We have more young people on the streets. We have more adults on the streets than anywhere else in, uh, in the world where uh, these numbers are, are tracked. Plus, we we have, we've had the violence in July last year, and we continue to have people being shot up in taverns. We have people being shot up in the streets. Um, and where is this violence coming from? Why are the perpetrators not being arrested? And so forth and so forth. So the, what we've gone through is most likely to continue, and that will have a hit on business confidence, on consumer confidence, on people in your organization, who will be asking themselves, am I using my talent properly by being here, by continuing here and so forth. And that's why we need to talk to those people in the organizations. We need to talk to bosses. We need to talk to workers constantly, because if we talk to each other, if we have these talks, these opportunities to engage with each other, then 
you know, as the Swedish say, um, there's nothing like bad weather, only bad clothes. And I believe in getting the right clothes for the storms that lie ahead for all of us. Um, there's also opportunity in, in crises. In uh, 2020, when the coronavirus pandemic hit, many people said, oh, it's the end of the world. Other people said, oh, maybe there's business for me here. Maybe it's time to buy uh, pharmaceutical shares. Uh, maybe it's time to do this or that. And they found something and, uh, and found fortune there. So these are the reasons why we have to talk to each other about what lies ahead, because what lies ahead can determine the success or failure of our businesses. What lies ahead? We have an election coming up in 2024. Uh, in my engagement with you, I'll talk about is the ANC on its way out? Uh, is the ANC below 50%? And if it's below 50%, does it jump into bed with the ACDP or the DA or Action SA? Does it jump into bed with the EFF? And what does that mean if that happens? And that is the key thing about our engagement. What happens to Cyril Ramaphosa? If you go back to 2018, when Cyril Ramaphosa came to uh, power in February 2018, the rand stood at 12 rand to the dollar. You think about where it is today at more than 16 rand to the dollar, and you say, what happened to Cyril Ramaphosa? And you see now with his legal problems uh, coming from Arthur Fraser, with his many other problems with the ANC itself, with a motion of, of no confidence in, uh, in parliament looming, uh, and that motion sponsored by the EFF, the DA, Action SA, whoever else uh, among the opposition, will he survive? And that is something that we can talk about uh, again uh, when we meet. The EFF, who will it go with? One day it's with the DA on some issues, the other day it's with uh, Action SA on some issues, it's in coalition, it's not in coalition and so forth. What happens with that party? And what is the likelihood that the opposition can get together before 2024 and perhaps form a, an alternative to the power structure that we have. These are some of the key issues that I delve into in this talk. But it's not just about the characters, it's about the policies. What will they do? And what, will they, what they will do uh, will have a major impact on your business. Um, will there be a national health insurance scheme? And what um, does that mean? Will, will you pay for it? Will your business pay for it? Or is government going to find the money? Where's the money going to come from? My view is that there is no money. So who's going to pay for it? Let's talk about that and what the, where the policy is going. Um, expropriation without compensation. You'll have seen the Institute of Race Relations. Other people saying, oh, it's back. And some people saying, no, it's not there. Some people in the ANC saying, no, there's no expropriation without compensation. What is likely to happen around these issues what impact does it have on you? Employment equity bill, those of you who run businesses, this is a key thing. Are you going to have to uh, change things around? What does it mean in exact terms, how you conduct your business around employment equity? We've seen the attacks, uh, some of the really concerning issues in South Africa, the attacks on foreign nationals, the allegations that they're responsible for crime and so forth. No one asks, uh, how did these people get here without the proper documentation? Is this a failure of uh, foreign skills or is this a failure of the South African government to have a proper uh, uh, migration 
system in place. We can talk about this and what it means for those of you uh, who have uh, uh, foreign nationals on your staff, whether they be nuclear physicists or doctors and so forth and so forth, their futures and, uh, and the futures of many hundreds of thousands of Zimbabweans, for example, who hold the, the ZRP uh, is on the line. These are some of the key uh, policy issues that, uh, that I'll delve into with you. And we can go through the gamut from financial services to agriculture. Uh, if your business is doing, uh, is involved in any particular field, I can delve into the policy issues that affect your field. Uh, when it comes to it. But all this means that South Africa is at the crossroads. We are back at the point we were at in 1994, when we all, many of us, queued to, to vote in a new South Africa that we hoped at the time would be, um, would be something that would uh, do us proud. And so again, we find ourselves where we have to say, which road do we take and which is the road that will not be taken? And if it's not taken, what does that mean? And so these are some of the things we're going to have to uh, talk about uh, in my talk today. Is South Africa going on the high road or is it going on the low road? And I do a lot of scenario planning and I've done a lot of scenario planning with people like uh, uh, Clem Santa. And, and these scenarios are important for you to chart your strategy into the future, for all of us to chart our strategy into the future. If it's a low road, how do you defend? If it's a high road, how do you exploit and thrive in such an environment? Um, I think the key thing, and I remain an optimist about uh, perhaps not the leaders we have, but about the people of South Africa. It's the people of South Africa, remember last year, who, uh, after the devastation of the riots in KwaZulu-Natal, Gauteng, and other parts, who said, who's going to rebuild this? Uh, who's going to put the factories together again? And it was the people of South Africa. And I'd like to chat to you about that, about what all of us can do to uh, continue to make it a bigger and better and more prosperous country, if we can. But the key thing is to be prepared for what's coming and to be prepared, we have to arm ourselves with knowledge to play some scenarios and say, this what might, is what might be coming. And to say on the basis of that, this is the way forward. Thank you very much. I look forward to meeting you and uh, sharing with you some of the scenarios that I've been playing around with over the past few months. Thank you. Thank you, Bronwyn. Thank you, Justice. That was uh, enlightening. Well, Thank I suppose you. enlightening in the sense that you've created more questions, which we need to unpack, right? So, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, but the questions are many, uh, uh, as we all know. Exactly. Exactly. I think one of the best, one of the biggest lessons I've learned coming out of South Africa up into North America in the last year is that South Africans are very good at asking questions. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of our North American friends that we've come across here are not quite as curious um, and they it's it's a it's it's a, a big culture change so uh, no, I'm loving it I'm <laughs> loving it but it's, you got it so so it's good to have questions great yes, to have questions. You have questions um um one of the things and to add to your point is what do we do with the questions and I think for South Africa one of the key things will be 
how are those questions answered? Because, you know, we, we may be very good at answering questions, but I think one of the things we could learn from the North Americans is the implementation, the doing part. Um, we need to get on with the job and, and our challenges are far more than the Americans have. Uh, I always laugh when uh, Joe Biden announces, you know, the, the jobs announcement here and unemployment is at 3.7%. What? 3.7% unemployment. And people are angry. You need to do something. And in South Africa, it's 35%, 36%, 38%. No one says anything. And it's, uh, so, so the questions are good. But uh, to your point, you know, the work is yes. also necessary. Yes. I think also for us, when we came across last year in October, um, we landed here and everywhere we went, literally into every mall, into every shop, there's signs up, we're hiring, apply now, you know, join the team today, signing bonuses, like wherever we went, whether it was a drive-through, whether it was the, the local pharmacy, it doesn't everywhere. And that's still like that, wherever we go, there are people, the boards up saying, we're hiring, apply now, we want you as part of the team, you know. Yeah. So it was such a shock for us to come here, coming from that environment where employment is so literally unbelievably high, mm -hmm. to come to a place where there is so much work. It's, it's a, and, and I don't think that it's too much of us to ask of our government that they step up and also like make a plan people it's not it's not in my opinion rocket science just do what you set out to do all the promises that you made to us yeah right? so, so I, I think you know and so the questions need to ask uh, need to move towards that what is the solution and and for me i think the noise we have in our politics some of it is really just noise and the real questions are, are that the question the point you make about jobs cannot be emphasized imagine if in july last year everyone all those people who are out on the streets in kwazulu natal looting going into shops uh, causing damage and so forth if they had a job that they had to be at the next morning I don't think, you know, if I have an appointment with Bronwyn at 9 a.m., I don't have time to be running around looting. I've got to be at work at 9 a.m. doing the work. And so, so I, think, I think not just for the ANC, but for the, for the opposition, it's got to be we need to go beyond the words and, and start talking about what are you doing? And because the, the, the deeds are just not there. No, they're not. It's all, you know, I think they, it's uh, from, I don't even know where this saying comes from, from my history or wherever, you know, talk is cheap, money buys the whiskey. So. Yes, very much. I, I'm going to use that in my talk. <laughs> You're very welcome to it. Okay. It's, so stop, stop making. We can all talk. We can all talk and we do. But, you know, at the end of the day, show me the money. Show me the money. And that's it. Exactly. exactly. So. Moving from that slightly, so the, 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 the title of your last bestseller was Now We Have Begun Our Descent. Mm -hmm. And now this talk is called Breaking Point. Yes. Can I infer from that that you are not awfully positive about South Africa's future with its current leaders? Or is that kind of clickbait in that you're going, mm, 
but actually there's hope. <laughs> Are you positive about, about our, our future? Bronwyn, I'm positive about the people. I'm positive about, there's so many amazing South Africans. If, if you, you know, in the field where I play, in the, in the uh, field of party politics, I look at um, what Haman Mashaba, and I have, you know, I can discuss the policies that he espouses and say he's wrong here and so forth. But he's built a political party that went into the elections last November and came out doing, looking very well. They're running, um, they well near to running uh, 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 with the DA city of Johannesburg. They're involved in Tswane, they're involved, you know, uh, uh, in the Gauteng municipalities. I think, I think those people want to do something good. I believe in the people who stood up and cleaned up after the July riots. So, so my, my view is that what we're missing in South Africa is the knowledge among our political leaders that, guys, I'm not happy with you. You're out at the next election. We've had one party making huge, deep mistakes and being returned to power again and again. So, so I'm not negative about, about South Africa. I'm, I'm, I'm very positive about the people. I believe we have some great people who can do amazing things. I think there are young people who are now talking about form, forming new parties and so forth. I think that the, the, the opposition needs to come together and do something meaningful instead of being so many, everyone pulling their one, uh, their way, and then, you know, Musima Mani will get 1% and ATM gets 1%. You know, I think there is merit in coming together and, and putting together coalitions. Um, but, but I don't think any South African can deny that when you have um, 10, 12 hours of darkness in a day, in winter, in, in rainy, with a cold front coming in from Cape Town into the hinterland that South Africa is working. When you have 50 billion rands worth of damage being done by rioting in KwaZulu-Natal, when you have um, um, three out of four young people walking the streets. Tavon Becky said a few weeks ago um, that, that we face our own Arab Spring if we don't do something about it. So, so I think even ANC, serious ANC leaders, serious opposition leaders, if you listen to what uh, Tony Leon has been saying, for example, many, many people are concerned about where the country is. And, and I think, you know, uh, for my sense, I don't think sugar coating the problem will help anyone. So, I so I'd much rather say, this is the way it is. Maybe we can find solutions here and let's try to find them. And, and unfortunately, I think part of the people like me uh, in South Africa have for a long time said, oh, you know, it's okay. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Guys, it's very bad when, when three out of four young people, people under 29, 30, don't have a job. Uh, when you go uh, out on the streets and, and people who've graduated, whatever the degree is, uh, are standing in the street saying, I've got a law degree from Forte or wherever, and I don't have a job. It's a very mm -hmm. serious situation. But the key, that, the, the key thing, and I go back to the electricity as an example of what politics can do. 
ESCOM was not destroyed by engineers. It was destroyed by politicians who wanted the engineers to look away from producing electricity and give them tenders and contracts and so forth. Mm. We, we, if we've broken ESCOM, we need to wake up and say, that means Justice Malala's factory that makes hair products or whatever. Uh, take Herman Mashaba and his business, the Black Light. Mm. I'm from Haman Stral, where he comes from. And mm. I can tell you, if he was running Black Light, me from Harangua, um, Harangua Township, and now there's no electricity, that entrepreneur cannot run their business. Um, okay. um, you and I, if we're on this, on this call now, and there's no electricity, we probably wouldn't be able to talk to each other. And this has happened with conferences, virtual conferences in South Africa, which have gone up in the air because, oh, sorry, there's load shedding. It's a problem and it's a massive problem. It's a problem. big problem. So yeah. just to, to, to unpack from that a little bit, um, a few weeks ago, we had a showcase talk with a young lady, a gorgeous young lady called Palesa Masia, who is a young, up, up and coming, vibrant, amazing young woman that we are so proud to work with. And uh, she she's so switched on, excuse the pun there, with Eskom. And so we had we had a, a, a showcase scheduled with her uh, at nine o'clock in the morning and load shedding. And she drove to where she tried to get another, some signal on her phone to try, try and do the virtual showcase with us from her phone. Um, we had people online. It was it was a fiasco. It was quite easily the most stressful showcase event I've ever had in 24 years. And Dwayne, who was our um, uh, MC, was really she was freezing, and then there was no signal, and it was it was it was a fiasco. Yeah. About 15 minutes into all of this, he said to her, "Palessa, maybe we should put a pin in this, and then try and do this again when you have got electricity." And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, she got signal. And she then did this, she said, no, no, I'll start again. And she did this phenomenal showcase motivational presentation. And I like my heart, I mean, once I'd, once I'd stopped swearing because, you know, I was so stressed. <laughs> my heart was bursting with pride for this young woman. Mm. And, and then, so there's a part of me that's like, how can we run businesses? like this in South Africa. So it impacts if she hadn't got that showcase right. We, we've subsequently booked two or three talks for her on the back of that showcase. If she had given up that morning, she probably wouldn't have got those two or three talks. That directly impacts on her money coming in to feed her baby at the end of the month, right? And so it just it's a it's a, it just expands and expands and expands and it becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger problem. And and, and, and let me interrupt you and I'm sorry to do this, but one mm. of the key things about about what you've said is that when in South Africa we talk about we talk about business and we say business can do this da da da. That business is not shell or or Anglo-American or the massive massive company. Mm. Business is palisa. And her small little business tottering along. Now, mm -hmm. if her business, your business, my business is not working, 
I'm telling you, South Africa will not work. It's small business that makes countries turn and generate and become better and better because Palisa probably has one person in her house looking mm-hmm. help her look after her baby. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't earn, that person doesn't earn. If that person doesn't earn, there's a kid somewhere who doesn't have money to get on a bus to get to school. And, and you know, so, so for me, this is the crisis. The crisis that small businesses are being squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. And that's where we need the doing that you spoke about at the beginning, the solutions that need to come from that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think, I think talking about politics and business is exactly the key thing to do so that we can solve these problems. Uh, but but you, your, your example about Palisa is absolutely perfect. That is where the real South Africa is, where it needs to happen. Mm, uh, 100%. And it's, as I say, it's, it's when you say the, the conference doesn't happen or the, 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 the South Africa's business tourism industry um, is, is going to take years to recover, not only from COVID, but now it's COVID, it's the, the vaccination challenges, let's call them that. And then now it's the ESKIM challenges, let's call them that. I mean, guys. <laughs> But, but you see, and that is where, that, so my, my negative comes from what you said. My positive is also that people th- that can pull the lever and just say, on tourism, we need to get Americans with dollars. We need to get Italians yes. with euro to come to South Africa. And when they get there, one, there will be electricity. Two, there will be, there will be no clap trap at the border at the at or about or you don't have this just say you know what you guys you've got cash you've got come from rich nations let's see how we can make it easy for you to get a visa and come to south africa a few years ago we had the extraordinary thing where if you were chinese living in guangzhou you couldn't apply for a visa you had to go to beijing apply there go home and say now to go from guangzhou to beijing you'd have to take a flight why do you have to take four flights to get to south africa you might as well go to kenya where you arrive and you get a visa on on um at the at the airport airport. i know it's so Okay. Do, do you think those those guys in power, Cyril and his friends, or even the other faction that you spoke about, do you think they really care? Do you think they're listening? Or do you think that they're just sitting in their ivory tower and they don't care? I think there are two things. I think, one, there are people who care. There are people who are serious about renewal, about reforming and so forth. And I, you know, for, for my sense, I think Cyril Ramaphosa is one of them. I think he's a prisoner, however, of himself, because even though he cares, he also wants to keep the ANC united. And by what he's done is to try to unite with people who are corrupt, people who have done some very bad things. And in fact, those people are laughing at him and they're the people who are giving him huge amounts of trouble right now. So mm-hmm. instead of firing the bad guys, when he came in in 2018, when he had political capital, when he was powerful, instead of doing that, he said, oh, you know, you, I'll keep you and I'll keep you. Half his cabinet are people from the Zuma Times and half of those people are really, really bad business and they have no interest in Palisa or me or you and how our businesses do. And so 
that's that's a huge problem. So 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 in a way, I think <laughs> for people who love the ANC, people who really really love the ANC and have a history with it, they need to do themselves a favor. They need to say to the ANC, "I'm going to put you aside for just one term." and tie these other guys. Let's see how the DA, let's see how the EFF, let's see how Action SA, let's see how COPE, IFP, in coalition, let's see how they do. And what if they do well? Maybe these guys are not the beginning and the end and, and everything that we've said they are. But, but if they are voted in again, you're rewarding and rewarding mediocrity and you'll never change. And that's, that, that, is, that is a big big problem and realistically i mean let's uh, what are the chances because i've spoken to a couple of of political analysts and and it seems that there are as many opinions as there are political analysts right and there doesn't seem to be like there isn't one bearing towards which but in your opinion do you think that they're going to get a, over a 50% majority in 2024 or do you think the average south african is starting to think Hold on a minute. Let me just, as you say, do them a favor and put them aside for one term. What is yeah. the what are the realistic chances of that? The, the numbers don't lie, Bronwyn. I know you've spoken to many, many uh, uh, political analysts. You and I have known each other a long time, and I know mm. you've spoken to mm. many of them. <laughs> the, the key thing for me is to look at what the numbers have said, and the numbers have said. South Africans have been, to use a very South African word, heartfall with the ANC for a long time. Yeah. The problem is that those South Africans have not moved to another party. They've stayed at home. Yes. So the election on November 1, the local elections, was the worst turnout we've ever seen. The worst. More people stayed at home than ever before. More people stayed at home. And all those people, all those people are ANC voters. So they've had enough, they've, they've, they've walked away, they've, but they've walked away and sat at home and folded their hands and have not been moved somewhere else. So the ANC in reality is already, already below 50%. It's just that the people who've been voting for them have not moved. And that is where the question, the big, the big question is, how do you get them to get up on election day, have a bath, have a shower, and say, um, today I'm going to do what my mother didn't do or what I didn't do, and that is to vote for someone else, just to put that X next to a mm -hmm. different party. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. The ANC has already lost, and I don't know if it can get those people back. Okay. However... If we continue to have such declining um, turnout, the reality is that the ANC gets a bigger slice of that mm -hmm. declining layout uh, uh, turnout, and then it, that's how it managed to continue to win uh, yes. uh, in some parts of South Africa, not the Western Cape, not Johannesburg, not Tswane, not uh, Durban. The ANC came in below 50% in all those areas. So. So the key thing here is to get people to wake up and say, I'm going to do this. Um, how will the ANC do? I, I can take some bets with you. Uh, if you've got some cash there, I'll take it. <laughs> and, and here's my bet. My bet is that the ANC, one, will, will lose Gauteng. So the economic hub is, is going. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think that the ANC may very well lose KwaZulu-Natal if the IFP yeah. and, and, uh, and others start, start uh, working together. I think the DA, if you look at what happened in, in Durban uh, and in the city, in Etequini municipality, mm. the ANC lost. Um, it was just that the ANC managed to strike deals with some of the very small, small parties to mm. just get it over 50%. So I think KwaZulu-Natal is a place where in the rural areas, the IFP, the NFP might come back strongly. In the urban areas, the DA, Action SA, uh, uh, the EFF might come in strongly. And where's the ANC base? Uh, the ANC mm. base is all over the place. It might, it might go as well. Remember that in 1994, the, the IFP actually used to run uh, mm. Natal. So, so at the provincial level, I can tell you that Gauteng is gone, Western Cape has been gone. It's possible that Northern Cape has always been on the cusp, um, okay. but the ANC is a very strong guy there, uh, um, uh, Zamani Sol, uh, and so they're doing okay, but they could, they could lose it as well. Um, at the national level is where, you know, the polls that have come out, whether it's the Ipsos poll recently, uh, Rapport had another poll the other day as well. All of them say the ANC will go to 42%, some say uh, 58%, some say 84%. My view is that the ANC can get people out. At the national level, the ANC will, with Ramaphosa around, it can still do 51, 52%. Uh, if it goes below 50%, 48%, the ANC will be whispering to uh, the smaller yeah. parties and giving them, oh, you will be minister of this, minister of that, and it will get its 50% and continue. Yeah. So that's the, the, my prognosis is that the ANC might go below 50%, but I'm not, I'm not too sure that, that the opposition has done enough. It, if the opposition gets together and stop fighting amongst each other and push, yeah. The ANC, can, the ANC so, can be taken out. So, but the ANC can be taken out by speaking to the people who've already, who are tired of it. Remember, 1.3 million people voted for COPE in 2009. Where are they now? They're sitting at home. The DA should be going for them. The EFF should be going for them. Uh, Action SA should be going for them. Sure. So from where, from where I'm, I'm looking, at, and again, I'm, I'm fully aware that where I come from, there's a lot of baggage on my shoulder. But um, I look at, I mean, we, we lived in, in Cape Town for a decade, and I had issues with the way that the DA was, was doing things in Cape Town. Um, they are not the be-all and end-all of, of how the country should be run by any means. Um, they did some things really badly. Mm. Mostly, though, Cape Town as a city mostly runs better than the rest of the country, as far as I could see, which must really be a pain in the ANC's ear that Cape Town tends to work, right? So, um, but my, I think, and I'm not a political analyst, I'm just an average old bat in the street that's been looking at this for a while, that if the opposition could come together, as you say, and unite behind one inspiring individual who looks past color and age and 
geography and just has the best interests of the whole country. Do you not think, or am I asking for the second coming of Jesus? Is that just, is, is, is there anybody in the country who you believe would be that person? I, I personally think Herman Mashaba is a rock star. I think that what he has done in Gauteng and what he's, some, like most of his, his policies, I can really get behind. I think if he just had proper support, there might be some, some hope there. What do you think? Um, I, I agree and disagree with you. I, I think the first thing is that um, South Africa with its complexities and its history, um, the first thing you and I would have to agree on would be don't, don't ask for someone who looks beyond color or who looks beyond um, class or who looks beyond wealth. Um, acknowledge that, you know what, the, one of the things I say uh, to, to people is um, um, Helen Zille, does not look beyond color or beyond class. Uh, she, she looks at them and then, and then has a fight with you whether you're right or wrong. So Helen Ziller will say, no, um, affirmative action is nonsense and I'm not going to be part of it, da, da, da. But she has thought about, and she'll say to you, what happened under apartheid was terrible and wrong and, and the fact that black people were held back and so forth. But mm -hmm. affirmative action, will not solve the problem. I believe uh, what is her, uh, her solution, um, equal opportunity for all, uh, education for uh, education standards to be raised in black townships and villages and so forth, and the best will rise to the top and so forth. I could disagree with that or I could say, oh, you've got a point there. Uh, why should we have affirmative action when people are getting the right education, the right opportunities and so forth? Mm. So, so, so for me, Helen is interesting and I disagree with her on many, many things all the time. That, but she doesn't, she doesn't. So, so I think to win in South Africa, you actually have to have a Helen Zeller who says, I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. I know about racial issues because I'm the person who wrote the story about Steve Beagle and how he was killed and so forth. But, but your solution is wrong. So, so I think, I think it's, it's, it, it's a different step to it. It's not, it's not quite the same. That said, once you've got that, and I think Herman um, is the same. Herman says, oh, hello, I started my own business. Um, mm -hmm. I sold, I sold uh, hair products to black people. I became a millionaire. And then I went into mining and I, I, I became a millionaire and so forth. Um, and he'll say, so black people don't need affirmative action. They need opportunity. They need to be given the chance and the education and the training. Um, and they can go and compete with Bronwyn and so forth and so forth. Uh, uh, but he's aware of it and, and that, that there's a problem here. Let's solve it. But how do we solve it? The ANC says, wants to remind you all the time that, oh, there was a penalty. And then, okay, affirmative action. Da, da, da. You could agree or you could disagree with it. So... Who is the character who I think South Africa should coalesce around? I've, got, I've beaten about the bush for long enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a young guy called Songezo Zibi who's starting a party. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's very interesting. 
my view, uh, and, and don't call me a skeptic, I don't think he, he will attract um, the, the volume, the number of people that he needs to make an impact. I think that the, the battle is uphill. You need lots and lots and lots of money to do these things. You need lots of organization. And I think his organization is just too little. So a lot of people are talking about him. I think he makes a lot of sense, uh, whether it's talking to business, talking about business, talking about um, changing things. I think he makes a lot of sense, but too little and too late. The, the election will be in 2024. So I don't think he'll make it. I think we have to work with the people we have. And those people are John Stenhazen. Uh, people might say whatever they might say about him, but he is the leader of the DA and he's the man that the DA is putting forward. So um, Herman Mashava has to engage with him. And at the moment, Herman Mashava keeps on saying, I'll vote for you, but I won't work for you. I, I won't work with you. And I think that is myopic. You never say never in politics because yes. you're put in a position by voters where you have to work with someone. Yes. Um, so I think those two have to work with each other. Uh, they have okay. to find a way. Um, they don't want to jump into bed with each other, but they could talk to each other across the bed. And I think sure. that's something that yeah. they need to do. Um, Julius Malema is on the left of the political divide. And so I don't think Julius Malema as a character as well is a flip-flopper and he, can't, he mustn't deny that. On every issue, with every contract he's made, oh, I'll go with uh, the DA and then the next day, no, I'm not going with them, I'm going with the ANC. And in the ANC, I'll go with Zuma and then I'll go with Cyril. I'll go with Cyril, oh, no, I'll go with someone else. He, he cannot, he's not a reliable political player. So I think, I think it's the DA and, the, and, and uh, Herman Mashaba of the big ones. Um, I think that, you know, about 10 years ago, um, Helen Ziller was talking to uh, Mango Suchi Witelezi of the IFP, was talking to COPE, was talking to a few others. And I think those talks should be, should be revived. Because if you look at Nelson Mandela Bay, uh, PE, um, there are so many small parties that the ANC wins by dividing the opposition and power. And that city, that city has been destroyed by the ANC. Totally, absolutely. There's a book called um, How to Steal a City um, by, by Dr. Chippy Olva. And it's a great book, but it shows you how, how you can steal billions. And they, that's what the ANC has done. It's eaten it like locusts and there's nothing, there's nothing. But the ANC remains in power because the DA, as the biggest uh, opposition, um, you know, gets into power with the EFF and then the EFF walks away and then, you know, the smaller one, this one walks away and it falls apart. So we need a strong coalition of the opposition that would send a message to the ANC that it's over um, if, you don't, if you don't deliver. Oh, it's over, period. It's over because they haven't delivered, right? So they, 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 they really haven't. All that, all they've delivered is uh, darkness and and not much else, really. Justice, yeah. this, I, I could sit and chat with you about this all day. I mean, I am, I am a, I am a patriotic, green and gold-blooded South African. Um, I have the best interests of my country at heart, and I would love nothing more than to see um, it's pulled out. I. I Again, it's just my opinion. The way it's going now, it's in a nosedive, um, and we need to 
we need somebody to pull the plane up from from hitting the ground and we're running out of of altitude honestly so i i am like you i believe in south africans i think that we are a remarkable group of people um and i i'm so grateful for spending this time with you you um, i'm hoping that we are going to get lots of bookings so that other south africans can get to spend this time with you and have these conversations with you and learn from what you've got to say and and that we can influence by whatever small way we can you and i um yeah. hope in the country and to get people to think a little bit and not have them sit with their arms folded and just watching. Let's get them to the voting stations. Let's get them to, to make a difference. Let's get them to believe that they can make a difference, maybe, is a better way to, to think about it. Yes. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. And uh, thank you for making the time to do this. It's been great. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah.